Boys and ghouls, welcome to episode four of Dads from the Crypt, a Tales from the Crypt podcast. My name is Jason. I will be your host for tonight, coming to you from Los Angeles, California. And all the way from the great state of Tennessee, we have Jody. How's it going? Hello, doing pretty good. Just came back from vacation and uh, I'm tireder than I was when I left. All right. And from the pretty good state of Nevada, <laughs> we have Mondo. Hello. And, and can I say, this is the first time you said uh, Nevada correctly. Usually you say Nevada, which is the incorrect pronunciation, and might get you stabbed in the wrong part of town down here. <laughs> well, I am to please. Welcome to you, everyone, tonight. Um, we did a special episode. We hoped everyone really enjoyed it um, because we were all actually out of town last week. Um, each of us did a road trip in our own regard. Um, how was your road trip, Jody, now that you're... Um, recovering a little bit yeah so the the trip itself was great we had a great time at the beach uh, a lot of sitting in the sand and eating too much food a lot of fried fish uh but the problem was the actual traveling back home part of things uh it's an eight-hour drive we have to drive all the way through alabama which is already a disappointment uh but uh this time the eight-hour drive took 13 hours because there were so many people traveling on a saturday and we ran into heavy storms that kept us uh, moving at about 20 miles an hour down the interstate. And so uh, that eight-hour drive turned into a 13-hour drive. And, uh, yeah, that's that's not my way to get back home. But uh, otherwise, the trip was great. All right. Yeah, that sounds a little rough when the uh, trip gets extended like that. Especially sitting in traffic. I, I don't know what it is about sitting in traffic. I, I will take every back road that's 20 miles an hour to avoid sitting on the interstate at 20 miles an hour. Yeah. I went to um, Arizona uh, this weekend and normally when we go is usually around Thanksgiving weekends and coming back on Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving weekend on Sunday. Oof, that's rough. It's usually six to seven hour drive and that can make it 10, 11, who knows how many hours. So I was yeah, over seven hours is the max I want to drive. I don't even want to drive seven hours. Five is like my sweet spot, but seven is probably max I want to drive. After that, I can't do it. Yeah, we, we normally vacation in the spring and the fall where we don't have to deal with any kind of crowds. So this July thing, we decided this is our last July vacation. Uh, just it's, it's too many people. Yo, Mondo, how's your trip? Yours um, was for work, unfortunately. Yeah, I was there for work, so I can't. It wasn't fun, but it's not bad. I mean, I, I like traveling for work, and um, I was doing some casinos down in Palm Springs. Uh, but what I love about the drive from Palm Springs from Las Vegas is it's mostly back roads. And it's just something different to see. Mm-hmm. You see some weird stuff, like on Amboy Road, there's a giant Trump compound. <laughs> giant Nothing, what? Uh, a giant Donald Trump compound with Trump flags, Confederate flags, and don't tread on me flags. I don't want to break. I don't want to break down there, but uh, uh, n- n- not to be political, but any kind of fanaticism like that is kind of scary. 
That, uh, that, that's called half the streets in Tennessee. We, really? we just have those. That's just half the houses around here. <laughs> but uh, I want to give a quick shout out uh, to a com- uh, to probably a company that will never hear this. But some guys at the casino told me you have to go eat at this place called TKB Bakery and Deli out in uh, Indio, California, which is about uh, maybe 30, 40 minutes from Palm Springs. It was about 20 minutes from my hotel. And that place was phenomenal. Uh, literally had the best sandwich I've ever had in my life. It was called the Dirty Riverside. It was uh, hot roast beef, avocado, cheese, pickles, bacon on a jalapeno bread. And uh, if anybody's out in that area or ever driving through that area, it, it's a must go. This, I, I went, is it good enough? So I went back the second night and this time I got a, uh, it was called a, actually I take that back. I got a brisket sandwich. Uh, no, sorry. A tri-tip sandwich. This is great radio here. <laughs> and uh, I got a tri-tip sandwich, but I got this Oreo brownie. That was, mm. oh my God, good. Enough to where I couldn't eat a third of it because I was way too full and had to finish it the next day. But uh, it's called TKB Bakery and Deli out in Indio, California. Highly recommend it. Please, please go there and support those guys. Now, ironically, um, I was in Arizona. We drove out to Arizona about two months ago. And uh, every time I go through there, we see a big billboard for TKB and it said, voted the best restaurant in America. Yeah, I saw that restaurant. Yeah, I saw I that too. Laugh at that. I'm like, that's gotta be bullshit. Because anyone that calls himself the best at anything can't possibly be that good. So every time we go by there, when I was there a couple months ago, I kind of giggled at that sign. I mean, a comment to my wife, and you know, when we drove out this time, I was like, oh, there's that sign again. And then coming back, you, we were hope we were talking about meeting up. Unfortunately, our schedules didn't match, but. Um, you message me. I'm like, oh, is that the place with the billboard? Is it actually good? Oh, and yeah. I was like, I was trying to convince my family to stop there, but of course they wanted McDonald's, so I got outvoted. But one of these days, yeah, I think next time we go there, I'm gonna make a, I'm gonna make a concerted uh, a effort to um, go there because you've given such a glowing uh, recommendation. Man, I, I think you need to put your foot down on that next time because <laughs> McDonald's versus the place rated the best restaurant in the world. Ugh. <laughs> uh, I, I've seen I've seen some McDonald's on Yelp, and they're yeah, an average of one and a half stars. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I, I I don't have TKB as an option, but when we travel, uh, my kids always ask for McDonald's, and it is always the no. Like we, they they will say, you know, where do we want to eat? They say McDonald's. McDonald's is off the list. Taco Bell's off the list too. Uh, when we have eight hours in the car following, uh, <laughs> we we did discover that uh, this is not as uh, specialized as TKB. Uh, but Panera Bread is great road food because you don't feel gross afterwards, which is kind of a, the reason that McDonald's is on my no list all the time. Yeah, this was on the on the swing back, and I was like, I just don't have it in me to fight them on this. I get that. Um, but luckily, we actually had a really um, good trip, easy road trip. There's also this other place I love stopping at called Best and Delicious Jerky, or like, or it's like really good, really good and fresh jerky. That's what they're called, and they have these big billboards. <laughs> And it's it's definitely a little overpriced, but it's really good. And they have garlic stuffed olives. I can't get enough of. Yeah, you lost me to olives, dude. I'm sorry. Oh, I love olives. <laughs> there, there's legit one food I won't eat. And this is a guy I eat lengua and cabeza, whatever. But olives, I that. Yeah, just can't do them. I've, but I have tried them. Like I will try. If you say, "Hey, this is a blank kind of olive. I've never had it before. I'll try it at least." But uh, just can't do them. Yeah, I'm with you, Jason. I'm an all a fan. Yeah. Um, 
We had a good trip. We went to um, a golf place. I think it's called Top Golf, Top Round Golf, something like that. A uh, Top Golf. Kind of like uh, they're a chain top golf. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've never been to one before. We went. My kids loved it. We had a really good time. Probably one of the coolest things that oh, we also we stayed at a place and they had this huge pool that was only pretty much three feet deep, almost the entire way. So I could like just like lay in the pool. My kid, I don't have to worry about my kids drowning or anything or going to like the deep ends. And there was a water slide that they went on like nonstop for hours. So that was cool. But probably one of the coolest things, and Joy, this made me think of you, was the middle of the night. There was like a thunderstorm monsoon where he's like woke up at 4 a.m. And there was like the, the lightning was going off and the, the, the thunder was going. And I'm just like laying in bed like this is really cool. This is the kind of thing you don't get in Los Angeles. Oh, I, I love a good thunderstorm when I'm inside. Like, I hate being outside in a thunderstorm, but inside I could sit in a thunderstorm all day long. Oh, yeah. Was great. I was like, I wasn't even mad that I woke up at 4 a.m. I just kind of laid there like half asleep. Just nah, listening just to take it. it in. Oh, it was wonderful. <laughs> yeah. What's actually funny is I'm, we're recording this on July 18th, and we've actually had some random, just weird thunderstorms out here in Las Vegas. And it's, it might be the same for you, Jason, but how it storms out here is you get thunder, lightning, like seven minutes of hard rain, and then that's it. You're done. Storm we almost never hard. get we almost never get thunder and lightning, and we might get like some hard rain, but we almost never get thunder and lightning. We have flash floods out here, but nothing crazy. But we well, actually had a, a thunderstorm this morning, and it lasted for we had uh, heavy rain for like seven minutes, and some drizzling for thirty minutes, and that was it. <laughs> but it got the temperature below one hundred and ten, so that was kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, it was like one hundred and sixteen when we got in, and that's just <laughs> I don't know how people handle that. <laughs> I just I just wanted to combust. I just want to point out that uh, here in Tennessee, after a rain, it was 74 all day, and it was beautiful. I mean this in the nicest way possible, but fuck you, Jody. Yeah, I knew that was coming. (laughs) All right, this might be Jody's last day on the podcast. (laughs) It's so nice outside. I can open my window right now. We sure threaten to fire each other a lot. I just noticed that after ending the last podcast. We used to never threaten to fire me, so I'll take it. Well, we kind of can't because you have the passwords for everything, so. There you yeah. go. <laughs> I, I own the Google Docs. I make the PowerPoints. All right. Tonight, we will be discussing only Sin Deep. This episode was released on, where is it? June 14th, 1989. Jody, do you want to give us a plot synopsis? Yeah. So, uh, this is a uh, fairly simple episode of Tales from the Crypt. Uh, it starts with Leah Thompson as Sylvia Vane, and she lives up to her name uh, because she's always looking in the mirrors. She is a prostitute, and she and her friend Raven are talking about how they want to make it big, and she sees a rich guy and decides, I want to be with this rich guy. So she uh, robs and then kills her pimp, takes all his stuff to the pawn shop, to try to get some money so she can become like a high-class girl and meet this rich guy uh, played, by, played by Brett Cullen. And uh, the pawn shop guy says none of the stuff is worth anything, but he will give her $10,000 for her beauty. She has four months to uh, come back and take her beauty back, but $10,000 for her beauty. And she figures he's just bullshitting her, so he uh, takes a plaster mold of her face. She goes to a party, meets this guy. He falls for her, leaves his girlfriend. And then it, we get a little four months later screen. 
And uh, as she goes through her day, she starts noticing wrinkles are starting to appear and her face is starting to change. And this very subtle but slowly building makeup effect uh, is aging her very quickly. She goes to a dermatologist. He says her, her body is still fine, but her skin is aging. And finally, she realizes, oh, it's that guy at the pawn shop. And uh, she goes to the pawn shop, tries to get her beauty back. But uh, he says, you are too late. It's been more than four months. Now, instead of $10,000, you owe me $100,000 if you want it back. And she doesn't have that. So she goes back to the apartment where she's been with this guy for the last four months, starts taking all this stuff, breaking things in a fit of rage, and he walks in. Now, she at this point, uh, she has changed so much, he doesn't recognize her. So he uh, says, who is this? Who are you? What are you doing here? You need to get out of this place. And she shoots him, takes all the money over to the place, uh, to the pawn shop. And once she gets there, uh, she has enough money to get her beauty back, but she is now wanted for murder. And so if she gets her beauty back, her face will be recognizable again and the cops will arrest her. And so uh, in the end, she stays as this old crone uh, that she has become thanks to this weird voodoo magic from the pawn shop owner. Uh, so one thing to point out, though, with the pawnbroker, uh, he was trying to do it to I don't know if it was to resurrect his dead wife or just to make her corpse look beautiful, which either yeah, way, uh, the resurrecting I get just trying to make the corpse beautiful. Eh, it's kind of <laughs> weird. Uh, we'll, we'll talk yeah, about I'd, I'd, that later when we do necromantic. But uh, that's just, an, <laughs> I, I, I don't, <laughs> I just don't, I just don't get that. But I thought that was an interesting little twist uh, with the beauty thing about how he was giving those body parts to his dead wife. Well, I assume was his dead wife. Yeah. I, I, I didn't get into that in the summary because I didn't really understand what he was going for. Like I get that she like at the beginning, his dead wife is all like shriveled up and wrinkled. And the four months later, when she comes back, she is a, a beautiful young woman but I don't really know the point. Like, I don't know what he was trying for there. Like, I really want my wife's corpse to be hot. I maybe, I don't know. I don't know what, it, what the plan was. Yeah. I, and I read the comic that you sent and just to hop there for just a quick second. That part is not at all in the comic. No. So this was just basically something we wanted to throw that they wanted to throw in probably the pet out timing. They had this cool corpse Some looking motivation. prop that you want to throw in. Just to give some motivation, yeah, to the guy, to the pawnbroker. Uh, now, the pawnbroker, interestingly, is played by Britt Leach. And today we were recording on July the 18th, I believe. Is that correct? Yes. yes. And that's Britt Leach's birthday. So happy birthday to Britt Leach. Um, and he was the store manager in Silent Night, Deadly Nights. So good connection there. He was also in Last Starfighter and Weird Science. No, he's he's one of those guys that as soon as I saw his face pop up on screen, I'm like, oh, it's that guy. Mm -hmm. You know, see him all the time. Right. And let, let's let's give talk about Leah Thompson. Well, first, let's um, back up one second. This was directed by Howard Deutsch, if I'm saying that correctly. Yeah, it's Deutsch. Pretty in Pink and Some Kind of Wonderful, which I always just in my head thought uh, John Hughes directed. So, yeah. um that's kind of cool to learn about that. Um, uh, real quick, too. Like, uh, Howard Deutsch also did The Great Outdoors, which if no one has seen that, just a great old 80s comedy with um, 
Uh, John Candy. John Candy in it, yeah. Oh, okay. I love John Candy. He also did uh, Grumpier Old Men. I don't think he did the first one, but he did Grumpier Old Men. Yeah, he did a lot of sequels later in his career. (laughs) So he he did some fun movies. Mm -hmm. Uh, This one was also written by uh, Fred Decker, who we talked about doing Monster Squad. But um, and it stars, of course, Leah Thompson, who we all know as uh, she's also in some kind of wonderful. That's how she met Howard Deutsch and they became they got married. Um, and Leah Thompson also did uh, Back to the Future and my beloved Howard the Duck. I'll defend um, Howard the Duck. Yeah, I'll defend Howard the Duck. I, 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 I want you guys on your own on that one. <laughs> <laughs> but again, it's it's funny that in the, within the first four episodes, we've had two directors casting their wives as the lead uh, actress. Well, they also um, she was the star of that TV show, the spinoff of Friends. Um, I, I'm not a Friends fan at all. But mm-hmm. it was uh, Caroline, in the, Caroline in the City, and he directed that, too, or directed ha- uh, some episodes of that, too. Right. So oh. that, that's a cool connection. And Leah Thompson, again, I love it. What, this is my favorite thing in Tales of the Crypt, where you have an actor or actress um, going against type. She's got that really um, wholesome uh, persona, and here she plays the, the street-tough prostitute. With, like, with a, I, to, to be honest, with a pretty bad, like tough girl accent the whole time <laughs> I, I love leah thompson but uh her her like yeah i'm gonna go and get you now like it, it was a real bad accent <laughs> yeah um and it, it's funny while i was watching this i kept thinking about pretty woman like this is like the horror version of pretty woman <laughs> so so they do in the, in the middle of the episode they kind of do the the montage the montage, that's what I was thinking of. Yeah. Where, she, where she first makes money and she's trying on all these different dresses and all these different uh, – uh, my favorite part in the whole movie because I, I like Leah Thompson. Uh, but <laughs> my favorite part in the whole show. But it almost felt kind of out of place with everything else because it was that like upbeat moment where you're kind of seeing her and you're thinking like, yeah, she deserves this. Then you realize, oh, wait, but this is how she got this. Yeah, she just killed her pimp right before this. Yeah. She's definitely not a quote good person in this episode. Well, no, they they point her they they kind of point her out right away because a lot of times you know you go with those movie tropes where you think that she's going to be the, the hero because she's down on her luck, just having a rough life. But then she robs her pimp, which you know what that guy probably deserved to die. Yeah, but she, but she was no, he definitely did right. No one should be a pimp, uh, but he was super just super trigger happy and just killed him. And then towards the end, when she kills her husband, he comes in the house and he's like, who are you? And she goes, let me explain. And he says, I'm calling the cops. So her response isn't to like go and grab the phone or try to hang the phone up or try to reason with them. Her response is, well, guess I got to kill him. Yeah, immediately shoots him. So Not she, just once. Like, no, I, no. I, I didn't count or anything, but there was a lot. I, I meant to count because I'm like, I, I don't think that gun has that many bullets in it. But she shoots him like five or six times. He falls to his knees. And then she says a line. And I wish I remember the line off the top of my head. But like, am I still the girl of your dreams? And then shoots him right through the heart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> bon Jovi right. style, if you guys don't remember. Uh, but, she, but shoots him right through the heart. And just, <laughs> but she was just so ready, just like, all right, cool. I guess I just have to kill this guy. <laughs> right. And the boyfriend was played by, let's see, Brett Cullen. Um, recently, he played the dad in The Shallows, the, um, the shark movie. But mm. interesting, I thought this was kind of cool. He played, he was in The Dark Knight Rises. He plays a random congressman. But then in the recent Joker, 
Um, he plays Thomas Wayne. And actually, yeah, I just had to watch that again uh, last week. So that, that was a really cool connection there because he's very young and suave in this. So it reminds you how long ago these shows really were. Uh, yeah. I'm really sorry you had to watch that movie again. My apologies. <laughs> <laughs> we can talk about that in another uh, episode or <laughs> yeah. offline. Yeah, and just to round out, round out the cast a little bit, uh, Raven was played by Pamela DePella. Um, she was a professional cheerleader for the Cincinnati Bengals, and she's now an audiobook performer. Oh, right on. That's, that's cool. And uh, then uh, the, she was also in um, kind of a genre film, Caged Heat. Oh, I do know that one. One, one of the old, uh, I think mid 80s or late 80s, sorry, uh, early 90s women in prison films. Yeah, it's a women in prison movie. That, that's going to be Jody's spin off podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we start with uh, Blood Sucking Freaks and just move on from there. Let's see how many people oh, we can wow. turn off. <laughs> it's called a podcast nobody listens to. A podcast that should not be. Um, and then there's a random cop kind of running around, uh, played by Burke Brines, and he was also played a cop in Child's Play 3. That's about the only interesting thing I could find about him. Child's Play um, 3 is the most hated Child's Play movie, but I'll defend it too. More than, more than Seed? Seed is fucking great. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'll defend Seed <laughs> till I die. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, I, I, I think the Child's Play 3 is the one that gets the most crap, but uh, that, that scene at the end with the carnival and all that, that's a great scene. I love it. I haven't seen it in a long time. Oh, I love the Child's Play movies. That's our next... This this whole podcast is just coming up with our next podcast. Yeah. Every <laughs> I could talk about child's play movies all day. Uh, getting back to the episode, though, a couple of things that was really interesting in this is uh, you brought up her last name of Vane, and at least mm-hmm. once she makes a point to spell it out V A N E. And when you really yeah. think about it, a, a narcissist would totally do that because a narcissist doesn't want to believe they're truly a narcissist. I think in this movie. Or movie. I keep saying movie, but in episode, she's a, a, a classic narcissist. Um, the other kind of uh, thing I found odd about it was she mentions one time that she's 21 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, do, yeah. do, do they mention, mention how old her, uh, I guess, husband is supposed to be? I don't think so. I don't, I don't think so. Don't do. uh, but uh, the other kind of weird thing about it that I, I'll be honest, I, I, I kind of made me feel uncomfortable is when they first meet at the party. Mm-hmm. And he keeps just grabbing her, and she's like, "No, I'm playing hard to get. No, I'm playing hard to get." And that whole scene just kind of made me feel kind of icky because uh, I don't know about you guys. The first time she said no, I'd be like, "All right, cool, we're done." <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go yeah. talk to somebody else. This is one of those pervy eighty parties. Yeah, so that that was kind of weird how he just kind of went for it. And she's like, "All right, cool, now I'm into this." But uh, yeah, that was kind of odd. I guess th- that part doesn't hold up very well in in the year 2021. Yeah, and for a penthouse party full of rich people, I was disappointed by the lack of blow. <laughs> well, so you gotta understand that they did a lot of blow, but if you've read American Psycho, they do that in the bathroom because everyone does blow, but seeing someone do blow is low class. This is still the first season of Tales from the Crypt, too. Um, like, we're not jumping straight into the like showing people doing blow on screen. Like, we'll probably get that season two. They don't have the blow bu- budget yet. Oh, there was probably a budget for that. <laughs> it was, it was, <laughs> that was behind the scenes. It was all used up by the time they got to filming. It was it was the eighties, like or sorry, well, late eighties, early nineties. It's fine. They can do whatever they want. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Now, my other thing is, um, again, this whole episode really feels like an ode to makeup effects. Yes. Yeah. Because, um, we have like the constant progression of makeup effects on Leah Thompson and the the whole way this pawn shop broker um, takes her beauty is by doing like a life mask um, mm-hmm. or life ca- like a face casting. Um, and then again, that's something that they do when they do lots of horror movies when they want to make like a, a, mo- a um, dummy or um, do some sort of gag as they do the, the plastering. Um, so again, this really felt like behind the scenes, these guys are like, oh, cool, this is the stuff we get to do behind yeah. the scenes every day. Yeah. Let's put it on screen and show it. I kind of wish they actually shown her go through the entire process. That, that would yeah. be cool, I'm sure. As an actor, That's she's- the, the, the makeup effects in this is actually one of my favorite parts of this episode because yeah. they're really good. Like it, when she first starts noticing the little wrinkles and stuff, like it's really subtle, but you can see it there. Yes. And as it goes, it just gets more and more. I, I looked up who did the makeup on this. Uh, the dude's name is Chris Yeager. Mm-hmm. And uh, he has a long resume. He and his brother, Kevin Yeager. Kevin Yeager is the name I actually recognized. Uh, they did Freddy starting in uh, uh, Nightmare 2. And they did Nightmare 4 with him. They did the makeup effects for Child's Play. I think, if I'm right, Kevin Yeager actually designed the doll in the very first Child's Play movie. So these are some like special effects gurus out here who have done some really cool stuff. They did uh, Trick or Treat. Not, not wow. Trick or Treat. Trick or Treat, the heavy metal uh, horror movie from the 80s. Uh, Dream Master, uh, 976 Evil. They did Bill and Ted's. They did like the Neanderthals uh, from Bill and Ted. Uh, I think you have a great point, though. Like the, the really impressive stuff is, right, it's easy to take a ton of makeup and throw it on an actor and make them look crazy. But though, you, you said those subtle effects just really yeah. did it, just really did it and really kind of made you feel that progression of aging that she was going through. But uh, what I found that's kind of funny, though, is she goes to a doctor at one point to see what's going on. Mm-hmm. And the doctor's like, yeah, I have no idea. And the doctor asks her, like, well, have you done anything weird to your face lately? And it takes her forever to realize, oh, wait, yeah, I let that weird guy at the pawn shop put this plaster all over my face. <laughs> right. And actually, that the guy who plays that doctor, because I'm a nerd about this stuff, is Matthew, I'm not sure if I'm saying this right, Fiasin. And he has a great resume. Um, he was Stan in Friday the 13th, part six. And he plays this demented school teacher in Freddy's Dead, which is one of my favorite, personal favorite uh, Nightmare on Elm Street movies <laughs> um, that they go to. And he does like a whole nursery rhyme to them, explains to them the alternate history of Freddy Krueger. Um, and he's just a great uh, actor to pop up in places. I really like that. Um, but yeah, also my question is, is there a thing about Leah Thompson and like face aging makeup? Because in Back to the Future, they, they kind yeah, of do the yeah. same thing. No, hundred percent. No, they do uh, very similar makeup. Like by th- those mid-range uh, makeup effects on this one, like but when she's not like super old but getting old, that's a hundred percent out of Back to the Future too. I guess the same makeup effects. Because mm-hmm. yeah, in the first one when she, when they start the movie, she's like kind of the old rougher Lorraine, and then they mm-hmm. go back in the past where she's young Lorraine, and then they go to the to the alternate future where she's like vibrant Lorraine. <laughs> so they keep yeah, messing around with her. So I don't know what is about Leah Thompson and um, face prosthetics, but they got it going. She does it well. I think in true tales of fashion too. Uh, I also love you know, again. They do the, the I wouldn't say the twist, but the iron at the end is that she can't mm-hmm. become young again because she's wanted for two murders. Because the yeah. cop even mentions, oh wait, and the the cop is basically like, this is the worst crime in the history of crime, and the gun is also <laughs> wanted for another street crime that happened. 
um, before. Um, uh, okay, so I, I wasn't sure about that. Uh, he mentions it when he comes back in the pawn shop. He says, oh, and the gun is also wanted in a, uh, he says a uh, burglary or something like that. Somebody to the effect mm-hmm. of uh, when she killed a pimp. Uh, so she, okay. really, she really fucked herself on that end. And once again, like uh, the other part we didn't talk about is, uh, maybe you mentioned it, but I love when she goes back to the pawnbroker and he points to the calendar like, today is July 5th. Your pawn was up on July 4th. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. then, and then shows his wife in the casket, which which exacerbates things. Um, which also means that when she first went there, it was on uh, July Fourth, Independence Day. No, when, no, <laughs> I think one... I, I think she came back on July Fourth, meaning she would have been there on February Fourth or February. I'm just 5th. saying, a pawnbroker that's uh, that's working on Independence Day, that's some dedication. May my dates are off mm-hmm. too. I, I could just be com- remembering that wrong. Um, but there is something weird at the end that did bother me. It's that she's trying to break into this pawn shop because the pawn shop is closed. So she's kicking the door and she can't break it. So she picks up a flimsy tin trash can and hits it. And the fucking lock just shatters. (laughs) And I don't know who that guy paid to put that fucking lock on that door, but get your money back. That was terrible. But then even though the front door is locked, the cop still just walks right in. Yeah, I was confused by that. that She went there, right? Well, because she went there. I'm confused by the timeline and maybe I missed the cut. Because she went there right after shooting her husband. She walks in there. She breaks in. This cop then comes in. And it's already in the newspaper that she's wanted for murder. Yeah. It was kind of a weird, <laughs> weird timing. And that kind of threw me off. But uh, again, it, it's stuff like that at the end of the day. That doesn't ruin my enjoyment of an episode. No, it makes me scratch a, my head a little bit. It was a funny sight gag. Yeah, unintentionally yeah. not. And I thought overall, like this again, has that classic Tales from the Crypt where they're trying to give. Mm-hmm. It's almost a fable, right? The name of the episode is 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 uh, only sin deep, an obvious takeoff of only skin deep, and they're talking about how, yeah, you can have beauty, that's great, but you're still a shitty person. Yeah, yeah. This very much is like the one of the most prototypical um, Tales from the Crypt episodes. Mm-hmm. This is uh, the one we watched before. I think this is the one I remember the best. It uh, just had the big impression on me. Um, I think probably because it's like the Back to Future mom. Um, yeah. As a kid, I was like, "That's I didn't, I didn't recognize anyone else, but that person I definitely knew." Um, Good, you know. And I'll say in that very, very last scene when she runs back into her friend Raven and she's carrying the the bust of her head, or what I'm assuming was her was her head, and she drops it and it shatters in the ground. I just love that imagery of her breaking her own face in the ground, and then Raven tells her, "Like, get out of here, you old bitch." (laughs) I'm like, "Oh, damn!" (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I thought it was a great ending to the show, and. Uh, my, my last piece on is my favorite part, though, the whole episode is the very, very end. The wraparound with the Crypt Keeper when he looks in the mirror and he goes, well, I don't know if it's in the wrapper, if it's the end or the beginning, but he recites the mirror, mirror on the wall. That's the beginning. the beginning, beginning. And then the mirror breaks and he goes, oh, I just bought seven years of bad luck. And as we all know, how long did the show last for? Seven years. Seven years. So, it all started right here. Foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, anything else you want to cover on this? It's not the most complex episode, but it's definitely- it's, it's a really straightforward episode. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely enjoyable. I really like this one. Jody, how would you rate this out of five? Um, I feel like this one maybe is a four. It's not a full five for me because uh, it doesn't go quite as extreme and crazy as some of the other ones, but uh, it is a great, like, uh, 
example of what a stereo, or, or like if you were saying, what is a Tales from the Crypt episode about? It would be something like this. Uh, someone is greedy. They do bad things and bad things happen to them in a very ironic way. And uh, so this is very much what a Tales from the Crypt episode is like if I was describing it to somebody. Mondo, what do you rate this? You know, I'm going to give it a give it a four as well. Like it didn't really go. I think to have five, it's got to be just the perfect episode. And again, we talked about some issues it had, but at the end of the day, it's super enjoyable, easy to watch. Uh, so the only thing I really didn't like about it was that kind of weird timeline at the end, and then kind of the creepy guy stuff in the middle at the party. But other than that, I, I thought it was great. The performances were fantastic, and uh, I'll, I'll talk about it a little bit later. But I also really, really love the uh, the music in this. Mm. Yeah, I really want to. I'm kind of torn between four and five. I just love Leah Thompson's performance. It's just, I love it. You know, I'm going to give it a five for an actress to go oh. that hard against type. Um, that just really wins it over for me. That's the, that's that, that really gets me. Well, we know, I talk, love that kind of thing. And going back and talking about Leah Thompson, man, like it's kind of brave as an actress, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of funny as you see in Hollywood a lot of times, you have an actor who's 35. And they'll cast his mom as a 38-year-old actress. Yeah. Uh, because women just get it way rougher in Hollywood. And it's not fair. And for an actress, you know, a young actress at the time to say, yeah, go ahead and age me up. Let's do this. That's kind of brave in the long run. Yeah. I wonder if her husband directing it gave her the confidence or made her feel mm-hmm. comfortable uh, to, to, to do this kind of role. Um, but she was, she was fantastic in this. Yeah. I think her – I'll give her performance and having that high caliber of an actress – uh, playing so hard against type that that pushes it to a five for me. Fair enough. Um, not trying to be contrarian to you guys. No, no, I respect that. Consciously. <laughs> All right. That wraps up our review of Only Sin Deep. Before we get to our regularly scheduled programming, check out this trailer from The Cast Files. Greetings, listeners, domestic, international, and extraterrestrial. I'm Dave Reed. And I'm Kristen Riley, and this is The Cast Files. The Cast Files is a podcast where we watch and discuss every episode of The X-Files spoiler-free. I know that there's a Mulder and a Scully. Yes. And uh, Mulder believes and the Scully does not. (laughs) Do you know which is which? What a large leap in logic. Scully is a medical doctor who has been working with the FBI for about two years. Mulder is an Oxford-educated psychologist who once was the best analyst in the violent crime section. God damn, he's so handsome. <laughs> we haven't seen even one man's nipple. That's not my husband. Those aren't his shoes. <laughs> I'm definitely a spy. Okay, but who hasn't joined the occult at 12? I have uh, neglected to mention that there's a bathroom troll. I don't have buckles on this chaos suit. <laughs> if if we get 100,000 subscribers, I'll get that tattoo on me. <laughs> All right, Mondo, why don't you give us the song of the day? Before I do that, can we point out my awesome The Haunt of Fear shirt? That is excellent. I was noticing that. Um, uh, Fright Rags has some really cool shirts. They have a Haunt of Fear, a Tales from the Crypt one that's sold out, and a Vault of Horror that's also fantastic. A nice soft cotton. There's a a shout-out to Fright Rags for awesome stuff. Um, Yes. Fright Rags, please sponsor us. (laughs) (laughs) We're desperate. At least those shirts. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, also just off topic but the great customer service i had an issue with my order and those guys are just the best so uh, fantastic um song of the day before i get into the song of the day i also want to talk real fast because I, I mentioned at the very end but the guy that did the music in this episode and, and the music was fantastic i know the music is good when my wife was making breakfast 
And I was watching the episode uh, this morning, actually, to, to get to just to watch it again and catch up. And she goes, this soundtrack sounds amazing. I'm like, yeah, it does. Uh, the guy that did this is Jay Ferguson. Jay Ferguson has an Emmy. And it's because he wrote the main theme song for The Office. Oh, really? Um, yeah, he did. And he also did genre. He, he's in a couple bands. And he actually, uh, I had to read into this guy. So I kind of got interested. And, and he actually got into the soundtrack business because someone approached him when they were doing the movie Terminator. And said, do you have any kind of like rock songs that you can give <laughs> us when using the Terminator? And he ended up doing the whole soundtrack for the Terminator. He did. Uh, wow. Yeah, just a, a lot of cool stuff on his. Uh, he did Charlie, one of the Charlie's Angels movies. He did Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, number five. <laughs> and he ended up doing uh, 14 episodes of Tales from the Crypt. So we'll be saying his name again, Tremors 2, a bunch of stuff. But like, just really cool that he ended up being a, a pretty prolific uh, a pr- pretty prolific guy in, in the realm of soundtracks. And that's why I'm a big fan of soundtracks. Terminator soundtrack is amazing. I love yeah, that yeah. soundtrack. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, I could rant about the time. I love that movie so much. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I digress, though. So my song of the week is uh, I'm going to go a little bit into the black metal underground. underground. And uh, there's a band, and I'm going to say this name, and please understand the word I say here. It is Krieg. Not Creed. Krieg. The German <laughs> word for war. <laughs> my own prison. Was it my own prison? With arms wide open. Arms wide open. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I fucking hate you both. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> um, so uh, the guy behind Krieg is he used to go by Imperial, and it's because all black metal guys had to have weird pseudonyms. Uh, but he wrote a record, and it came out in uh, man, I'm uh, 2004, called The Black House, and he wrote it based on the fact that he would, in his dreams, always see this black house. And that was kind of where he got into the record. And uh, a funny six degree to separation story is I'm actually good friends with one of his good friends from high school. Uh, but on that album, he stopped writing. He stopped really p- releasing his lyrics because his lyrics are very personal. And he would just kind of do train of, of conscious writing where he just write or train of thought. I should say, I'm sorry. Stream of conscience, something like that. Uh, where he would just write all these lyrics down on all kinds of paper, and then kind of put them together. But all of his songs have a, a really feel to them. Like if you read the title and you listen to the song, you can kind of get what he's going for. And on that record, one of my favorite songs, and I think it fits in with, with this theme here, is called Flesh Prison Monolith. Mm. Do I know what it's about? No, because he doesn't publish his <laughs> lyrics. But it feels like a very d- dark, depressive song just about being maybe trapped inside of yourself or, or claustrophobia, um, which I think a lot of people, a lot of narcissists do live in those worlds because their I, their mentality is that I'm I, I'm trapped here because the only thing that matters is what the outside. No one cares about what I have in here. Uh, so if, if you guys want to check out a great band, um, Krieg, he's released a bunch of albums. Uh, he does a lot of... Uh, a lot of good work out there. Um, I think for a while there, he was he was doing some GoFundMe's for some some issues with some cats. Uh, <laughs> as odd as that sounds, uh, and the, and the guy just had a baby. So if you go online and find some of his music, you can throw a few bucks that way on Bandcamp. That'd be pretty awesome. Uh, and yeah, he's all of his records are great and a really rad dude to to, to boot. All right, thank you, Mondo, uh, Jody. Uh, before we get to trivia, we forgot to talk about the comparison to the original comic. 
You want to hit us with that? Yeah, sure. Uh, so the original comic follows the same basic structure like all of these do. Uh, the biggest things that I noticed that were different were uh, this comic was uh, made in 1954. And so uh, when the lady who is not named Sylvia Vane. All of those uh, cutesy names like Vane and Price, those were made directly for this episode. Uh, they were not in the original comic. Uh, but when she goes, uh, he offers her $1,000 for her beauty. <laughs> yeah. And then <laughs> she takes that $1,000 and goes and lives the high life off that 1000 bucks. She goes and buys a bunch of dresses. She goes to the salon. Uh, she does all this big stuff for a thousand dollars, a big, big nineteen fifty four money. Uh, she also is not a prostitute in the original comic. She's just the lady who, I don't know, gets guys drunk and robs them. I can't really figure out what her deal is, but uh, she's robbing a drunk dude at the beginning of the episode and trying to pawn his stuff. That's a good business. That? That's a good business in Las Vegas, by the way. If you're a, if you're gonna make some money. <laughs> Hey, you at a casino and rob rich dudes. It's easy. Yeah. Uh, when I when I read it, I kind of got the impression she was actually a prostitute. Maybe they the, like couldn't talk about it because of the codes at the time, or maybe I just misread it because I already I, mean, I was expecting her to be because of the the, the show. Yeah this this was uh, pre code because uh, this is what led to the code. The EC Comics were the uh, main instigator that led to the comics code. So. Uh, I, I think if they had wanted to go prostitute, they probably would have said it. Either way, she's she's a lady robbing dudes in the streets, um, doing something. Uh, there is one line from the comic I want to highlight, though, just to show you why we have a comics code. Uh, so <laughs> when she kills her husband, this is the little caption up above the picture. Again and again, she swung her instrument of murder. Ronnie's first groan sank into a bubbling moan and then faded to the belching gust of a of a fresh corpse losing its fluids and gases. <laughs> Holy shit, man. This is made for kids. <laughs> hey, man, that's some awesome. That, I'm not going to lie. That's some great writing, though. I like that a lot. Let's say you got a metal line right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is made for kids. And... Uh, the belches of it losing its uh, gases. That's a, a pretty intense line, but uh, no, it's, it's a fun comic. Uh, it, it ends pretty much the same way. Like, like we said, there's no uh, subplot with uh, him trying to bring back his dead wife or whatever he's doing there. But uh, the whole thing about her being uh, wanted for murder, if she goes back to her regular face, uh, apparently she gets so ugly in this one though, when she reveals her face to a cop, the cop like, chokes on his uh, own vomit when he sees her. So, you know, it gets even worse uh, than it does in the show. Mm -hmm. And there's also no pimp or friend character. No pimp. Yeah, no friend. Uh, just just her and her own uh, growing ugliness. <laughs> All right. Now, why don't you hit us with some trivia? Yes. Yeah, so, uh, in this episode, uh, Leah Thompson has said it was hard to film the love scenes with Brett Leach or Brett Leach because they were already friends and they were to be directed by her husband, Howard Deutsch. So that's a weird situation with your husband watching you make out with your friend. Uh, yeah. Unless, unless, he, he, unless he was into that thing. Like he could have been a cock. He could have been like, he, he, he could have been. Into uh, it. No, we're not, we're not going to start any rumors, but, just, <laughs> but uh, just yeah, she, she, she said it was awkward. Uh, no, but, said, uh, Brett Leach, I think you meant Brett Cullen. 
did I did I say the wrong name? Yeah, I think you did, but that's all right. I just don't want to confuse anyone. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. I got the names mixed up. You did not bone the pawnbroker. <laughs> no, that that would be a different episode. That's yeah. uh, season four. Uh, but uh, anyway, the uh, trivia I wanted to put out put out there is that uh, Leia Thompson and Howard Deutsch are still married. Uh, they were married in 1989 and are con- still married in 2021. And from their marriage, we were blessed with Zoe Deutsch, who played Madison in Zombieland 2. And uh, she is the best part of Zombieland 2, my favorite character in that entire movie. And Zoe Deutsch is a really cool actress. So uh, Leah Thompson uh, and Howard Deutsch have blessed the world with Zoe Deutsch. Mm, excellent. Which is also a fun name to say. Yeah, it's, it's very phonetic. Zoe Deutsch. Kind of rolls out there. All right. Uh, where are we at? Mondo, let's give us some dad advice. Before I get into dad advice, can I ask you guys, if you went to a pawn shop mm-hmm. and someone was going to offer you $10,000 for a part of you, what part would it be? <laughs> Pinky. For any part, they're just wide open, like give me for any part, part, but it's gotta be one of those things where you know you walk in, you try to pawn your 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 fantastic eyeglasses there, and he goes, I don't want to buy those, but I'll offer you. But he looks at you and he's like, But I'll offer you ten thousand dollars for this. Yeah, no one needs a pinky, pinky finger, pinky toe. Well, well, this thing, so he would notice your pinky, he'd be like, Damn, that Jason dude's got a spectacular pinky. (laughs) Yeah, sure. I mean, you, you know he's going to go for all of our beards, right? Not mine. Maybe yours. You got a rattle. <laughs> <laughs> the, okay. What, are you asking what we would give up or what he no, would no. notice? What us? he would notice and want from you. Oh, okay. I thought you said what, what part of the body I was will, I'd be willing to give up. Huh. Now, the thing that I get a lot of compliments on are my eyelashes. I don't know what the hell that means. I have the same thing. Ever since <laughs> I was a kid, people are like... You know, uh, I have girls tell me in high school, like, I wish I had eyelashes like yours. And I'm like, I don't know what to say to that. That's a weird yeah. compliment. I don't well, know what a good eyelash versus a bad eyelash is, but <laughs> I got it. You got it. I, I, You guys can't both go with eyelashes. That's a cop out. <laughs> I'm just saying. That's a thing no, that happened all the true. time in high school. Okay, so I'll, so I'll, girls tell me that. So I'll give Jason eyelashes. Uh, Jody, what's yours? Oh, man, we got to go with more. Uh I don't know. Uh, if I'm getting compliments, it's usually the beard. I have to go with that. And that was an easy one to give up because uh, it involves a razor, not, uh, you know, some voodoo ritual. Yeah, but then they someone to see your chin, and that's just weird. Like, like, yeah, I don't want to see my chin. Yeah. I, I don't know what my chin looks like. I haven't seen it in a decade. I'm uh, kind of afraid of it. I'm just going to rec- go on the record and say, I have really nice thighs and really nice legs. So he'd want my legs. Hey. There you go. All that jujitsu is paying off. It is. And if we can just normalize really short shorts for men, <laughs> I'm down with it. Uh, so, yeah. I just there was a time. Me. There was a time. It could come back. Oh, yeah, man. I'm totally. I've, I've seen pictures of my dad in high school. The shorts were about <laughs> one inch long. I don't know what the deal was. <laughs> oh, next year, man. We're going crop tops and Daisy Dukes at, uh, <laughs> at some kind of horror convention. <laughs> I love my basketball shorts, so you guys can go nuts. <laughs> um, so for our dad advice of the week, um, one thing I do want to point out on episode three, um, I talked about us as 
young dads spending more time with their kids, that can also go for young moms too. Just pointing that out there. Our dad advice is not gender exclusive. Like most of this can be great mom advice too. So um, just want to point that out there because there's also I was thinking about it. I have a, a sister in law that works her butt off and goes to school and uh, mm-hmm. th- that time with her kids are precious. So also for you, for you moms out there too, don't kill yourself. Spend, spend time with your kids and spend time in life and have a good time. Right. Um, and we talk about dad stuff a lot and we're not trying to be like pounding our chest like, oh, dads are the best. Yeah. Go, go, dads. Go, yeah. go, dads. No, this, this is not the man show of uh, Tales from the Crypt uh, podcast. Uh, absolutely not. And, and, and the reality is it's the old saying, right? Between Behind every good man is a good woman and it goes both ways, right? Like, I couldn't be sitting here right now on a Sunday night at 10 p.m. doing a podcast with my two buddies if my wife wasn't cool with it and wasn't holding down. And, you know, man, 100%. like it's mm-hmm. it's all a partnership is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. But for the week, uh, our dad advice of the week is um, road trips. So we all thought about road trips earlier on in the episode. And it's what can get you through a long road trip and what can make your road trip more, more enjoyable. So I'm a simple man. I need... I'm going to say four things to make a great road trip. I'm going to need some either some great music or some great podcasts or some great book on tapes. Something audio-wise that's going to keep my brain stimulated and make me stay awake and not drive my car off a cliff. Two, beef jerky. Mm-hmm. Very important. Mm-hmm. You can chew on beef jerky for a long time. It's a delicious snack. Great protein. Three, black coffee. Because as we've said before, coffee with cream and sugar isn't coffee. It's cream and sugar that happens to have some coffee flavoring inside of it. <laughs> and number four, my most important item for a road trip is going to be sunflower seeds. I can eat sunflower seeds all day long on a road trip because my brain is not smart enough to know that I shouldn't fall asleep and drive my car into oncoming traffic and die. It just doesn't understand that. It's like, no, we're tired. We're going to go to sleep. I don't care where we're at. But if I have a mouthful of sunflower seeds, my brain is smart enough to know we shouldn't fall asleep and choke on these and die. So we'll stay away. <laughs> <laughs> That's how your brain works. That's how it is. Um, so those are my four my four tips, my, my, my four mandatory things to make any road trip enjoyable. And uh, what are your guys's? So mine are pretty much in line with yours, just like slight variances. So, yeah, I'm definitely a jerky guy. I like just the, the act of the chewing and then, you know, the sweet and salty and the protein that it, the, the, that gives you. i uh, big fan of that. What I really love, if you can find it, is like brisket jerky. I'm not, Ooh. it's just like a different cut. It's really, really good. Um, but it's a lot more, ten- but it's a little more on the tender side. You still get the chewy, but it's a little bit more tender. Um, that's my favorite jerky. Um podcasts um yeah definitely love listening to podcasts it's funny i used to listen to mostly music but as i get older i'm more moving to the podcasts um there's a great one i i drove from uh, los angeles to uh oregon last summer like in a day pretty much which is about a good solid 20 hours of driving um and yeah it was a lot but you know i just need to get it done but there's a great podcast. Um, I think it's called by the Aftershock Company, and they have like these like inside um, where they pick like a movie, fan, really famous movie, and do like a whole podcast. It's kind of a dramatization of it. So it's like Inside Jaws, Inside Psycho. Um, I listened to that. That was really good to keep me going. So shout out to them. 
Um, what was the other one? Uh, coffee. I don't know. Black coffee is just a little harsh for me. But on the road trip, so I usually drink my coffee with the cream and the sugar. But um, on the road trip, I don't want to do that. I don't want the I don't want the lactose. So I want to keep I want to keep on the road. I want to make as few stops as possible. So my go-to are those little five-hour energy drink shots. Oof. Those give me a really smooth caffeine buzz. I love it. You know, those yeah. are those are actually I don't do them a whole lot. But when I'm trying to make a drive home in one night and I'm tired, I'll, I'm with you there. Those those can save my road trip if, I, if it's uh, that bad. Yeah, yeah I, I, I don't know what it is about uh, the energy drinks or five-hour energy things like that. I can drink coffee all day long, but I take one of one of those and I am just jittery the entire time. So I I, I can't handle that. I have to go with the black coffee. Yeah, well, these aren't like monster drinks or Red Bulls. It's just like a small little shot. And yeah. whatever it is, it's just pure enough or it doesn't give me jitters. It's just a smooth caffeine buzz. Yeah. It, just, it hits me through the ride. And I, I eat nuts all the time. I have like a big, huge thing of nuts. Um, it's in the other room right now. But yeah, I have like a container like that big. That I have like <laughs> next to my desk at home. So I just bring that with me if I need to. So I, I'm not much of a shelled nut guy because I have shells everywhere. But um, yeah, I definitely like that so yeah uh, i'm with you pretty much all those and different variations yeah so if i'm driving i'm gonna agree with everything y'all have said uh the beef jerky the black coffee all that kind of stuff i'll drink gas station coffee that's been sitting on the eye all day long i don't care I don't, if it's uh bitter and horrible i'll still drink it while i'm driving but what really gets me through road trips is the fact that my wife prefers to drive and I don't. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so I get the passenger seat because uh, I don't care. I, I, I We're getting there. We're getting wherever we need to be. And uh, so this particular trip, when we were stuck in never ending traffic and horrible weather, uh, I may have had a gummy that uh, was of a certain persuasion and I missed a serious chunk of that drive uh, by not knowing where I was. And that was nice. Uh, so I wouldn't recommend that if you're in the driver's seat, but if you're in the passenger seat, that's a great way to make a road trip pass a lot faster. Those black licorice gummies are a motherfucker. Uh, this was a different kind of gummy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it, it's a semi-legal state for where I'm at, uh, but uh, semi-legal, not completely illegal. So I'll take it. But, but you do know taking it across state lines is a federal offense, right? <laughs> not, not this kind. This kind's still open. Okay, <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm in the South. We have our own particular kind of gummies that are allowable around here. I'm gonna need some details off air on this because I'm not even sure. <laughs> uh, um, uh, one thing I want to tell people too, because I, I I saw some people complaining about sunflower seeds how they tear up your tongue, which is true for the most part. But there's a great company out of Texas called Chinook uh, that makes the best sunflower seeds in the entire world. And those are the ones I buy because they do not destroy your tongue. They have less sodium than your average store-bought sunflower seeds. And the flavors are 10 times better. So um, shout out to uh, Chinook Cedary. That's C-H-I-N-O-O-K out of, I think they're based out of Austin, Texas. But I buy their their sunflower seeds by the case. And just when I run out, I just buy more. That's the important thing you brought up, though, is I usually go for the unsalted. Yeah, it makes you drink less water. You have to stop less. Yeah, it's just yeah. healthier, especially uh, when you at a certain age. Uh, unsalted is tough. If I have to go with like a, a normal brand, I go with David's uh, reduced sodium. Mm-hmm. But uh, the sunflower seeds from Chinook 
have less sodium than even those do by a drastic amount. So um, just a shout out to that that company because or anybody that loves sunflower seeds because they literally make the best. Um, I kind of got Casey from the BGH podcast, Bloody Good Horror podcast, to try them out, and he loved them. Um, this is a fun little company that makes great sunflower seeds. And if you're like me and you're a sunflower seed fiend, meaning I absolutely eat them all the freaking time, uh, they're, they're they're a nice change of pace from the what you can buy from a gas station. Excellent. All right. Anything else, Mondo? Uh, no. And uh, yeah, I have nothing else. But uh, thank you guys again for everyone who's been listening to our podcast. Anyone who's taking the time to reach out to us and let us know when we sound like idiots and say some bad advice or anything <laughs> like that. And uh, it's no, it's all appreciated. And we appreciate you guys listening to us and giving us a chance. Yeah, we really appreciate all of our listeners. Um, and we would really appreciate it if you could give us a rating and review on iTunes. I know every podcast in the world says that, but you know we want to get this podcast out there, and you got you got to feed the algorithm. So uh, show us some love on the iTunes. Um, we really, really appreciate it. And I tell you right. what, if you fucking hate us, let us know. Like if you yeah. think we suck, let us know too. Because realistically, how do you get better if you don't know what you're doing wrong? But you could also send negative reviews to info at Das the Crypt. <laughs> That's probably <laughs> all the good reviews on iTunes. iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm not without. Uh, I, I can be a little shameless. That, that's all a right. good advice too <laughs> yeah all right that wraps up another episode next week we will be reviewing lover come hack to me such a great name i love it love it all right we thank you for listening to dads from the crypts adios <laughs> follow dads from the crypt on facebook twitter and instagram or i will follow you to the grave. <laughs> no, seriously, you really should watch. But be careful what you ask for. You may get it. <laughs>